Welcome to the Mythic Life Podcast. In this podcast, we'll be exploring creative and alternative lifestyles with guests who are finding their own paths through careers as healers, artists, and teachers, along with exploring topics in the personal development space of developing intuition and metaphysical gifts. Welcome to the Mythic Life Podcast. Today, I'm being joined by a good friend of mine, a wonderful colleague, and an absolute inspiration, Aurora Morphin. I think we crossed paths. You, we, you came into Theta Healing. You did some courses with us at Theta Healing NYC. What was that, like eight, nine years ago, roughly? Exactly. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me here. And where are you joining us from today? Uh, today I'm calling from Portugal. They say it's one of the happiest places on the planet. I'm finding that out. I'll report later on that. But so far, it's true. <laughs> Beautiful. You've had quite a journey in this life. I'm so excited to hear your story. You know, on your bio, you were sharing how you really had this full big life. You um, had this amazing journey of traveling the world. You had this career in marketing in an ad agency. You're married, had your son, and you were looking around your apartments, it says, looking at all of these beautiful things that you brought back from the cultures that you traveled and visited to. Tell us, like, what was that journey like to really kind of create that life, to really step into that in the beginning? Yes, I can share that at that point, it had been a life that it was a prescribed life by then. Because it was, there was always something inside of me and I always have been close to my heart and intuition. And now actually, now I know that I'm highly sensitive, but back then I didn't know. So mm. all these emotions felt, felt like overwhelming and too much. So I try not to listen to that side that much, or I try to kind of like feed it in the places that I knew the way they would be accepted and, you know, it will give me belonging. But it was always hard. But it was that life, you know, that arc of life that we all have been mostly prescribed and conditioned, knowing that, okay, you go there, you study that, you go and get that job. And, you know, I was lucky enough at that time to have the amazing job that fulfilled me and gave me a perspective of the world. I used to my first job actually was working for a magazine that was organizing the World Design Conference. And they will bring like designers from all over the world. Uh, so that for me, it was just like a very rich exposure to different perspectives. But back then, it was a struggle inside of me because I could see these wonderful lives, these dreamy studios and, you know, all these creations. but. All, all of that felt like so far away and so distant from my reality and my belief possibilities. Back then, it was just, I, I used to, I grew up in Mexico City and I used to live in Mexico City. And Mexico has a reality that it's, uh, most of it is in a survival mode. And I grew up and yeah, I grew up with that in mind and thinking that that was the way of living. 
So, you know, I, I was in that rat, like rat wheel, like chasing the, the happiness, chasing what it was going to bring me the good life, which it was, yes, the marriage, yes, the work, yes. And then I became a workaholic. And of course, it gave me a lot in material perspective. But I got to a point, the, mo- the moment that you were mentioning, actually, that it was like, yes, I was able to travel, uh, but in a very concise way, because of course, I didn't have that many days off uh, in my work back in the day in those circumstances. So with with what I got, I started to kind of like piece together what I really wanted to under those circumstances and, and under those beliefs. You know, as you share this, I think it's possibly one of my favorite songs. Um, it's by the Talking Heads. You know the Talking Heads? Yeah. Once in a Lifetime. And, you know, it starts out, you know, the, those lyrics like, you may find yourself living in a beautiful house and like all these things. And and I, I just love how you bring in this element of the prescribed life and that chasing of happiness and that paradox that you ended up in of you're literally working in an ad agency marketing. And here it is. We're always being projected of we're a puzzle piece trying to fit the already designed puzzle of life, right? And fit in. And that sense of sensitivity, like how even through that, looking back, do you feel like there was a need to have that experience of chasing the happiness dream as a sensitive person, trying to configure and fit the mold? What was important about that, looking back at that? Well, now in retrospective, definitely it was important. It was part of the curriculum, I guess. And I can tell even, not even starting with me, you know, I, I recognize now that I do have a mother that it's also very sensitive, but it always look and and the way I perceive it back then, it was as a high anxious person and like, you know, out like a, authoritative person. So it felt like a very suffocating environment at the time. But clearly it was my biggest teacher and she is still my biggest teacher, you know, in many aspects of my life and chasing that because for me now looking at it in retrospective, it, it was just living in a very unconscious way. So yeah, clearly it was part of, of my curriculum. and. Through that, I know there has always been this passion of the sense of culture and travel. Was that kind of like that escape for your spirit a little bit through trying to break three or what cultivated that for you of exploring the world? Uh, Yes. As you said, I guess it was just the door for me to really allow a space to be myself. Because I, as I mentioned, you know, with all these constraints, I always felt like suffocating and all these sensitivities and all, all my journeys and my callings were kind of pushed down in many different ways by the society, the collective, the culture that I was in, even though when it's a really rich culture. But on the other hand, you know, it has the same shadow as big as, as the culture. So it was really repressive in many aspects. So traveling, it just was for me kind of a, the, that door that allowed me to 
either see that there were different ways of doing things and get inspiration on one hand, but also to experience myself in different ways, not necessarily the ones that were accepted or supported where I was. You mentioned that being highly sensitive, it felt too much. It created this anxiety. So you you shared how you stopped listening to that part. I find that's one of the most important things with my clients and really developing and discovering themselves is helping them listen to that side again. Because in this story, now you have this marriage, you have your son, you have this career, you feel like it's all coming together, but there's also like workaholic and anxiety and stress and still trying to configure yourself to, to life. That real, you know, they refer to it as almost like a dark night of the soul, like this dissolving and collapse. What was it about life collapsing that forced for you to listen? Oh, well, first it was motherhood, which for me was a big, big shake, you know, in, in all aspects of life. Suddenly having another person depending on you and needing you and you needing them, it was just like a huge shift. Then a few years later, well, parallel to that, it was realizing my unhappiness despite of having the apparent everything mm-hmm. the lack of meaning in my daily activities or around you know and then a few years later after I separated because then yeah it was a moment where everything just got to a point that it was like this is not sustainable I need to do something differently and then of course I left the ad world I left my marriage you know it was just like putting all the layers that were part of my unhappiness or apparent unhappiness, which at that time, it's interesting because you blame everything else, but not you, you know, you don't see yourself. It's just, it was this stage that I was just blaming everything for not having the life that I wanted. And, and then when I just literally shed all that, after a few months, my ex-partner found out that he had a brain tumor and it was life-threatening. And for me, that was like the biggest shake of the fragility of our lives. It put me really in a place where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Who am I? It was it was that moment where you really start questioning everything. And what am I doing here? You know, back then, my son was four years old. And the way we were parenting, it didn't feel right. Because then I didn't recognize, but I was just repeating the patterns that I learned when I was being parent and then seeing all that and getting a little bit of perspective, it was just like, I I cannot go on this way. So it was when really I, I acknowledged that moment as the beginning of my healing journey. And then life stripped itself away so that you could really step into and discover that other side to yourself and find that happiness actually become embodied with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, something that comes now, and it's really interesting, you mentioned, you know, if the first part of this life was necessary or part of it. And I guess now it just, it's, very, it's super easy to see, you know, how all that I acquire, quote unquote, you know, like the material things that I acquire were the base and have been the base that has helped me 
So in one way is I'm really grateful for all that life that I had before, even unconscious, you know, because even without that, I was very driven by my intuition to be in certain way that has allowed me to do everything that I have been doing now. Yeah. And through that of healing and coming through all of this, these elements, you know, I, I know now you have a practice as a coach and do this uh, wonderful work. Share with us a little bit of based off your journey, what do you find are some of those key elements with how you support and work with people, you know, bringing it full circle in this way of bringing light forward? Well, for me first, actually, when I was in the midst of this crisis uh, with my ex-partner, it was a call from my heart to just be there with him despite of the circumstances because of my son. You know, it was just very clear that we needed to be family despite of whatever had been going on for us as a couple. So mm-hmm. that was just one big step and layer in, in acknowledging that we do our own structures, not necessarily whatever it's conditioned. While I was in this uh, crisis moment, the first thing that just came to me, and it was a, during these critical moments where you are like really opening to something bigger and asking for help, and it's when I started drawing the flags. And the flags at that moment were for my own personal use, let's say. You know, I just draw, like literally draw them and I put them all around because they were flags that were representing values. So all this to say that it's for me, like the thing that it's like really the focus of my work now. Because at that moment, I realized that that was who I really was. It was my compass to remind me, yes, I'm love. Yes, I'm gratitude. Yes, I want connection. Those the, gu- the guiding values at that moment, it was just like I did the flag of courage because that's what I needed in that moment. So looking at those symbols, they were like really supporting across everything that was going on. And it was just, it became a practice on really centering in those values and understanding that if I would align my values with those, with my actions, life or universe or however you want to call it, will just be supporting me. It was a journey of trusting that there's something bigger and then bringing this alignment, it's important because it's then when you are really walking your talk. You know, I I resonate with that because in in my work, it isn't just about stripping away beliefs and reprogramming the subconscious. It is also about bringing in those downloads and like looking at qualities, looking at virtues. And as you're putting it, these values, they're like living energies, you know, mm-hmm. that hold and give support and give structure. And you hear all these things of people of like, oh, gratitude boards and these elements that bring positive energy in. With the flags, I know this has been something that you had some drawing from that from some of your travels as well. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Where does the origins kind of lie with that? Where, where did you first feel that inspiration with your arts to create flags? It's interesting because, you know, it's one of those things that you cannot really pinpoint to a moment specific because I had been always 
drawn to symbols and what it what they mean. And when I lived in Israel, for me, it was the first time that it was really like an exposure to symbols completely different from my own culture. But then seeing the way that they might have and the influence they might have in in culture, in the way of we live as humans. So I I have always been very clear about the power of those symbols. So I guess along those lines and combined with my own visual input like that I've received across my life in all senses. I mean, the culture visually in Mexico is just very colorful and full of life. And, you know, like they like, for example, Day of the Dead is just colorful and connected. And and there's this grief, but there's this joy. And for me, that's where like this joy become became orange, you know, in the sense that it's a representation of this joy. But it's also a representation of wholeness in the sense that there's no this just like, oh, I'm happiness and this uh, positive that it's toxic, not seeing the other sides or the shadow sides. It's just acknowledging that we are big holes and all those parts are are like components of ourselves. So I guess, yes, it was just, you know, a matter of all the inputs that I have received across my life, allowing them to just come and, and be channeled in a way as a symbol. Oh, that really is beautiful. I, I do appreciate that. The more we can surround ourselves with things that can remind us of those qualities definitely creates that support and container for our heart, our spirit to shine out more. Yeah, no, and I think more now nowadays that we live in a culture that it's and and I was part of that, you know, creation in the sense like the advertising and those messages that are like every single point that we look around, you they're telling you something that you're not enough, that you are not good enough, that you, they're like bombarding you all the time. So I guess we need the same amount of messages telling us that we are beautiful, that we are loved, that we are, you know, so many great qualities of our humanity. I have here, um, a mythic life is free from the constraints of old stereotypes led by the adventurous soul that is striving for joy, fulfillment of purpose, and the quest for higher growth and connection. A person who believes there is more than meets the eye that pursues personal development, alternative medicine, lifestyles that are wanting to break free from the societal norms and explore their mystical abilities. There is greatness within everyone and a soul desiring for joy. This idea of a mythic life really is what pops out here with what we're exploring and how in sharing your story, there's this idea of the prescribed life and not a sense of education of building into values, but actually more a programming what to you is this element of education? What is unlearning? Well, for me, at this point in my life right now, unlearning is uh, stripping exactly this conditioning. And the depths of it is, you know, it's since day one we arrived in this world, we started receiving messages of how things should be or, you know, what it's right for certain culture or what it's wrong for, you know, not being there. Or So we start receiving all these messages since then. So I guess 
the schooling or our own learning is peeling these ideas or beliefs and then bringing a critical mind into is it true now is it relevant still or am i just repeating here right and then it's like what can we get or what can we put in place that it might be more constructive at this moment i remember that moment with my kids you know i i have four children now when i first met you i just had the two and then sarah and i had you know freya and now our youngest soleil and um going through like regular traditional education with the kids and watching them come home and what they were told about things and then going wait wait what is that and then realizing that it wasn't just from the school like oh my god i'm programming my children because they'd ask a question and instead of helping them explore discovering their own answer we always instinctively want to tell them right like it's such this journey as a parent around how to educate a child of what is actual critical thinking discovering and coming up with their own answers and solutions so you know we we are in the journey of homeschooling now with our younger ones and um you know as a parent knowing your story and the work that you do as a coach what is that journey for you with being a mother and around education like what are some key elements that you would like to share with parents out there yes i hear you and and it's it's been an interesting journey because yes it's when you I guess that's the first step, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to step out of the school system because that is what it's bringing all this. But then you realize that it's not just that, as you mentioned, it's, it's even us, what we're putting on them or telling them all the time, constantly. So I guess the challenge is trust. Hmm. That is the biggest one. Because in my de-schooling learning, uh, I heard this line that it was like, you can give them as much freedom as you can stand. And it's true, you know, because it's like there is a moment that you can just uh, like let them and, and be there as a guide and support when they need you. But just like being sure that you are accompanying them in this journey, but not just like, you know, putting the elements for them, allowing this self-directed spirit that we all have to really flourish and emerge instead of just, again, prescribing how things should be or what they should do. And it's really hard because we have it so ingrained in, in all aspects, you know, and it's just, I guess we are in the moment of life that we are shifting between these paradigms and it's still, we are with one fit in one in one and the other, some of us, not everyone, you know, but trying to change this paradigm, but there's still like, we are in the, in the midst of it. So sometimes for some things we have to discern, you know, like what, what do we, because for me also the, the key is being conscious and aware of that. Because then you know that you are playing some aspects of it and you know how to play them, you know? So it's just like in order to, to do things and keep moving around around life, whatever you want to do, you have to know the rules of the game somehow. 
but knowing that is that's a game, you know, and it's like being really conscious about like what's the game that I want to play. But I believe that, yeah, underlining everything for me, it's trust. It's trust. And does that, where does that carry to? Is that mostly focused on trusting your child? Is that expanding more abroad? Like, where have you found the greatest challenge of expanding that sense of giving freedom and trust? It's really interesting because actually, I guess it's more in the everyday details. When you, as an adult, know, you know, that's that's even one side or one angle of things that when you as an adult know or believe that you know how things should be. And, and instead of really giving a space also for listening what they have to say, because for me, they are like great teachers and they are like full of knowledge and full of that innocence that might have not been developed yet in many aspects, but but they know a lot and they, they carry a lot of wisdom. But it's just letting and creating the environment for that to flourish. When you share that, what really comes through is this element of how do we define what is sentient? You know, I find with the work and doing belief work and having clients and then going out into the world and seeing all those subconscious programming running, you know, all these people like spirits kind of falling asleep, those degrees, those gray areas of awareness really is the huge thing here. You know, Sarah and I were looking at navigating like what education system and she grew up going to Waldorf education. And, you know, I, my mother kind of was involved in that and she did other things and was a teacher and I went through public school a bit. And so we really had to explore what our values were coming back to the values of what is empowering, what, what empowers awareness, what is I'm living by structured rules in this dogma, right? Because, you know, Waldorf can be very dogmatic as well. And even though it's very soft and creative, it can also be surrounded by fear. You know, I know parents, they're like freaked out if their kids go over to somebody else's house that has an iPad. You know, we live in society that there are these things and we are always as sensitive people exposed. So in going through that deprogramming for yourself and going through that transition what do you think is important for us to not isolate away and stay in our sensitivity? Yeah, as you said, because it can be very disorienting also, you know, like stripping yourself out and then there's no apparent place where, where you are. So it's it's either you're creating that new spaces or new places or or like where do you fit and fitting and belonging. It's one of like one of our human needs. So clearly it is, it is, a, it's important. And I guess grounding and being centered, which I call, I, I've been calling like alignment, you know, like being in alignment for me, it's what it really allows you to be here and in the moment, just like this awareness of being in the moment, exactly where you are, 
and accepting that what it is, it's it's key, I guess. Share with me more this this element of alignment. I, I really like that. Yes, what I come, as you mentioned, you know, is uh, realizing which are your values and then putting your actions behind those values. And then, of course, we all have thoughts all the time. And those thoughts, for me, now I see them not as a bugging or, you know, annoyances or anything like that, but more as an intelligence of our being. And that intelligence are messengers. So when these messengers are telling you something, it's just for you to listen. And it's just like, okay, why am I having these thoughts instead of just trying to ignore them or pretend that they are not there, but you know, you have them in the back of your mind or stuff like that. It's just bringing them to the table and, and then just like listening. What, what is it they want to tell you? And then when you are listening and paying attention to thoughts, feelings, and sensations and you know, it's just this combination of all, all of our bodies, our mental body, our heart bodies, our physical bodies, our energetic bodies. So it's like listening and paying attention to all of that and bringing it into alignment with your actions in this real world. Through a lot of different workshops and dynamics that that I've gone through and that I've led I find that there's a real need to have harmonizing of the bodies in order to like, before aligning into action, what is that journey that you take people through with creating that sentient, that sensory awareness of their bodies? How do you like to work with people that way? Yes. Well, for me, I don't see that just the body as one aspect. For me, that's that's a key, you know, that it has to be integrated with everything. And I feel that the body is one of the aspects that it's the, the first one that it's telling you, you know, like, yeah, you get sick if something is just not in alignment and it's telling you and you in my habit has like in my habit started as a headache and you didn't pay attention and then you know now it has become a migraine or something like that so it's just a matter of like really paying attention to what those messengers are telling you because as i mentioned you know it's this intelligence that it's it's there for a reason it's there like doing a job telling you something and most of them come here because they want to protect you they are always working like for you with you uh in in bringing this security and this safety around you of course a lot of it it's perceived from ages ago and so it might not apply at the moment so it that's where the awareness of like really being present and talking to them in the sense that it's just like, yeah, what do you want to tell me? And then you being here now, like digging deeper about what's going on there. I used to have this challenge with some clients that had a hard time having self-observation that it became so important to have a degree of training for people to be able to have that place of being aware of instinctive behavior, right? Like the, what's happening in the thoughts and, and having that ability to observe it and ask those questions of how long has that conversation been going on for, you know, like, where does this really come from? 
and being able to track. Is there certain elements with the values, the flags, like where, what do you like to bring in to help in training without conditioning in that way? What do you find to be a real key element? Um, it's hard to answer that question because for me, it's really listening to what's going on because I believe that there's no one thing that might say and be the solution. You know, it's like we all have different experiences. We come from different places. And so there's no, there's no such a thing as objective, you know, interpretation of things because we all are in the subject. So in that sense, it's, it's really, uh, important to acknowledge that we, depending where we are, the stage, our age, the circumstances around family or, you know, like wherever our conformation of life is, it's what we need at every moment. It's just different. Yeah. So in that sense, I guess it's very particular. Every person needs different things in different moments. I remember when you first introduced the flags to me, there was this thing of kind of like that art elements that sometimes people had to go through their own artistry to create the flags of important values for themselves. And that that would create a bit of a, an energetic spiritual container of safety so that they could go to those other places. Uh, Do you, still bring that in where you have them do kind of creative work or art in that way? Because I don't personally, I'm I'm not a graphic artist in any way that way. I like to use more like breath and somatic, like get out of the head and into sensation. What tools do you like to bring in that way around it? Well, breathing, it's definitely one of them. It's, you know, it's about like a basic, I think. Uh, Another tool that I use and I've been implementing and really trying to make it a practice, I call it the alignment scanner. And it's talking like a little bit, you know, bringing together what we have been talking. And it's this scanner about like what's going on in our minds, what's going on at the heart place, what's going on in your body and the level of sensations and what's going on in feelings and how do you feel your energy? And then it's just like really doing this scanner. It's uh, it's one of the tools that I work with a lot. And no, lately I haven't done uh, any workshops around that. That was actually before pandemic times that I did a lot of that, but lately I haven't, I haven't done that. I believe it's a, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. Absolutely. I really love it. It's something that getting more into is with the crafting and wanting to build that bridge back into the art and more my, my personal journey. You know, I find that when I do get more active and environment and into my creativity, that it shifts my energy and thoughts so that it's easier to listen. What specific values do you find? What, what flags do you bring in to really help open up that listening to support choices and actions for you? Well, for me specifically, or for my clients in general, 
For me, it's the flag of love. It has been like so powerful in the sense that, and and even the shape of it, you know, it's this kind of diamond square, but like tilted. And it's a reminder of like changing perspective and just always asking like, what would love do? You know, like really bringing that question, like what, if I don't know, if I'm in a point that I'm just like, I cannot see anything beyond it's like, what would love do? And it's a beautiful place to just shift your perspective. Uh, But also with my clients, I see, and that's what I've been working lately with the New Beginnings workshops. It's because New Beginning, it's a really powerful flag in the sense that that's what most of us are looking for at the moment. Mm. You know, this permission to start to change things, to shift and be different of what we have prescribed for ourselves. What would love do? When you ask yourself that question on a topic, is there certain confirmation that you get? Is there a sensation that you feel? What's the embodiment of that for you? It has changed through time because I have done a lot of unlearning about what love is. Back in the day, I had this idea or narrow-minded vision of love being more towards this partner or this relationship with someone else, and that being the biggest love, knowing that, you know, you have the love from your parents and friends and siblings or so on, but still, like, the definition of love was very narrow-minded, and then... Little by little with the unlearning, I've ha- I have done actually uh, love school and different uh, activities and ways of really unlearning and, and keep de-schooling what love is. And now I feel that it's really just thinking about what would love do. It gives me just a grounding and really connects me with earth and makes me immediately just part of, of the whole beingness instead of just me as an individual and just trying to solve something it just connects me with everything in Mm. in just an instant beautiful i know when i listen and tap in i i look for what softens me Mm. where my sensory my experience of energy has lightness softness like a wave like it has a flow and movement and brings a place of thought that is open like it it feels like oh there's a pathway there like it kind of leads somewhere and i think that's one of the most important things on this journey is really stripping away these programs so that we can through being highly sensitive listen mm. So, you know, I absolutely love sharing this journey with you. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing these inspirations and and reminding that importance of really creating that beautiful energy of these core values, these beautiful values and this take on unlearning of actually not just adopting the prescribed life and and being prescribed based off the societal dogmas. We are mythic life, free thinkers, deep feelers, courageous trailblazers. We own our myth with our vibes. 
how we think, feel, and act. We believe that love is a given, not something earned, that spiritual is sexy, kindness is cool, and earth is sacred, that everybody has superpowers and life is too boring without magic. We walk our talk and when life gets real, we heal. We choose our path and make it epic. Thank you so much for sharing with us your epic journey and your work, Aurora. For more on Aurora, you can visit her website at Aurora Morphin. It will be in the link below. You can follow her on her Instagram and Facebook, Align Beings. If you enjoy this podcast, please hit subscribe below so that you can be notified. Our podcast is on the second and fourth Thursday of every month. And if you want to have more from us or join the community, you can join our Facebook group at the Mythic Life Experience Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram at the Mythic Life and our YouTube channel, the Mythic Life. And for more on our work, check out our website at mythiclife.com. So thank you so much for joining me today, Aurora. It's wonderful to see you again, virtually at least, and um, enjoy the beautiful energy of Portugal. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Eric.